Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We're also getting excited because we're kicking off a series called Fire. And I'm really excited about it. It's a series that's about the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons why we are calling this series Fire is because, especially in the, in the Old Testament, but if you look through the Bible, uh, you will see that oftentimes people reference the Spirit of God as fire. And so this series is all about what God or who, who the Holy Spirit is. But then more than that, it's about what He wants to do both in you and then through you. How many of us would understand that God first wants to do a work in you? Amen? 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 And then through you. All right, we're going to get there tonight. Uh, guys, I'm going to bring you with me because I feel like I've arrived. I'm already here, but I'm going to bring you with me tonight. You will end up in Jesus' name as excited as I am. So, so let's, let's get excited. I, I tell you something that I really believe is going to happen. And this is part of probably why I'm excited because I've come in. I already know uh, what I believe God wants to do with this series. That's part of the reason why I'm excited because, you know, you know one of the things that we do sometimes, church, is we say, and we're pretty clear at Bright Church, that uh, ministry is, can be a lot of things, okay? So, so many of you, the, the, the majority of you, right, would be called to uh, just ministry in your workplace, right? We're all called to ministry in some way. And sometimes we use this, this term ministry. Yeah, everything's ministry. I mean, you, you can pretty much make anything worship as well, by the way, because it's just that the attitude that you have. It's not, it's not a slow song, all right? That's not worship. That's not worship. Worship is, is, is the heart attitude that we bring towards uh, what we do, and so we can make it an act of worship towards God. So, so when we say things, talk about ministry, sometimes we would put a really big circle around everything, and we say, well, everything's ministry, all right? But here's what I'm saying, is that in this series, what I believe God is going to do is He's actually going to speak to people that are called to minister in the church, and, and, and there are some people here that are actually called, gifted, and graced by God to not just serve in their workplace, but to serve by serving in church and to minister to God's people. And, and you know, this, these are things that God wants to do. And so I believe that God's hand is going to be upon people over the next five weeks. We're going to see God move uh, in, in fresh ways. And I'm, uh, like I said, I'm excited about that. I really believe that what we're going to see is people have encounters with God, right? All right, that's probably one of those things where if you were here and you were not a Christian, you're like, oh, are you serious? An encounter with God? But some of you have been in church so long, you're like, oh, yeah, encounter. Yeah, cool. I've heard. I, I, know, I know about that, right? Do you? Well, you can get excited about it because when it happens, pretty awesome. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding about this. Like, I think encounters with God are inc- completely amazing, right? So, so for those of you that would be new tonight, maybe you've never been to Bright Church before, um, just to let you know a little bit about my story, just very briefly, you know, I have a very unique story. Grew up going to church as a, uh, as a kid and became a teenager, turned away from God, and then later on went back to God. You've never heard that story before. It's very unique. It's extremely unique, right? No one, you're like, wow. So, so, so anyway, that was my story. But I remember the day that I went back to church, I didn't even really want to go to church and I was driving my car and, and, and God spoke to me. Now, I, I would have never have said that it was God speaking to me at the time. I didn't think it was God speaking to me. I just, it was just my thoughts, but I was kind of like listening to, to my thoughts. One of the reasons why I love to tell people about this is because you do not have to be in church for five years to learn to hear the voice of God. 
I mean, he can speak to you in a way that you understand. Let me put you on the inside of my prayer closet for just a moment. Sometimes I honestly worry that I'm a little bit thick. So I will say things to God like, Lord, I really want to do what you want me to do, but um, I'm, I, I want to make sure that I hear you. Now, if I don't hear you, please find a way to get through to me. Speak to me in a way that I will understand. But then when you pray that prayer, I'm going to help you out because I love you, right? You asterisk that prayer with, do it in a nice way, Lord, loving Father, Holy Spirit, in a gentle and soft way, because sometimes God will just arrest you where you are. And that's not what you, well, maybe you do want that. Maybe God needs, maybe God needs to do that to some of you, right? But not for me. I don't want that. Like I, I just say, God, do it in a gentle way. So, so anyway, here's my, here's my story in brief, right? So I, I end up going to a church. Uh, I, I walk in, have an encounter with God, and, and uh, you know, everyone else had sort of left the church, and I was there late. And I remember walking into the back into the auditorium after church was over. When I closed the doors behind me. I felt the presence of God hit me in a way that even to this day, I have never experienced anything quite like that. And I did not show up that day trying to encourage the pastors of the church to say, God is in this place. See, he touched me. Like I wasn't there to say, oh, this is real, right? I didn't even know what I was doing there. All I know is that when God fell on me, I found it hard to speak. I felt like suddenly I was in 10 times Earth's gravity. I had to find the closest seat that I could find. And I sat there for 45 minutes while God just began to minister to me. And that shifted something in my heart. It changed my trajectory. And you've got to understand something. The encounters with God will change your life. Encounters with God will shift the trajectory of your life. You think you're going one way and God will interrupt your story and shift you and move you and say, I'm doing something different with you. I'm going to do something in you and then I'm going to do something with you. It's just what happens. So we've had a pretty crazy time over the last few years. COVID, just hate it. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I don't know what it's done to you, but I, I'm aware of this. So for some people, before, they were going, before we had this crazy COVID season, we were in the rhythm of Christian living. The rhythm could be you go in a small group, you go to church and you show up and, and these things happen and, and, and maybe you had a prayer life. But now, uh, you know, we've been doing, well, if you've got kids, a few people with kids here tonight, right? Homeschooling. Uh, that's one thing we had to get used to. Uh, working from home. I bet you all had to get used to that. And there's all these things that kind of just interrupted the narrative of our life and just changed the way that we were doing things. And when we get a little bit displaced in that, sometimes we can let go of some things that we should be doing. So my point is, is that I don't know what the last couple of years has been like for you, but it could be very, very real that tonight you're sitting here and you got here and I'm glad that you are here. But the truth about you is that you are completely spiritually dry. When was the last time you had an encounter with God? When, when, when was the last time God spoke to you? When, when was the last time that by revelation you read something in the Word of God and it stuck out to you in a way that you just hadn't had before? Like when was the last time that you had that? Maybe you, you haven't had an encounter with God for a long time. Maybe the reality is you have not had an encounter with God ever. And you say, I hear what you're saying about it. It sounds all theory based to me because I've never experienced anything that you're talking about. 
And I'm telling you that maybe that's been your experience up until now, but it doesn't need to continue to be your experience. One of the things that I've discovered about God is that He can reach you wherever you are. You want to get an encounter with God? You can get it in your workplace. You can be there and God will speak to you. You, you, you can get it while you're outside and, and doing the gardening. You can get it, you know, you know, it reminds me of this ad. I've got to do a bit of a throwback reference here. I don't know if anybody's seen this because I grew up in the 80s, right? right? There used to be this ad on, on TV and it would start like this. It would say, you can get it sliding, right? Or it started like this, actually. You can get it riding or you can get it sliding. You can get it digging a hole or you can get it painting a pole. You can get it walking or you can get it talking. Some of you that are in the 80s, you're like, I know where this is coming from, right? You can get it any old how. As a matter of fact, I got it now, right? And, and if you know what I'm talking about, right, it doesn't matter. It's actually not even important. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to keep this message focused because many of you are thinking about what you're going to do after church tonight instead of thinking about what we're doing at church tonight, okay? So, so let's just stay focused for, for just a minute, right? But I think the whole point of that ad is that a hard-earned thirst needs something to refresh you and quench your thirst, right? Forget about what it is for just a moment, right? And I tell you that if you want something to really quench your, thir your thirst, I tell you that the only place to get the real thing that will quench you properly is from God. It is the presence of His Spirit because Jesus told a woman at a well, you can drink that water from that well all the time and you can have as much as you want and I promise you, you'll still be thirsty. But if you drink the, the from the river that I'm talking about, if you drink the water that I'm talking about, rivers of living water will actually flow out of you. You need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with God. And there are so many people that just do. In fact, I would say this. If you ever, have you ever met an on-fire Christian? Four of you. And I note that most of you come to Bright Church, so I'm absolutely disappointed about this. Like, this is just not the way I thought it would go tonight, right? Like, you come here, yeah? How many of you know someone that's pretty on fire for God? I'm a little more encouraged. We'll get there tonight. Don't worry about it, everybody. I'm gonna tell, I told you, I'm going to take you with me, right? So, so hopefully we know a few people are on fire to go, with God, right? But when you meet somebody that is passionate and they constantly pursue God and they just seem to always be on fire, right? I bet you trace it back to an encounter. I bet you do. You see people that are in ministry and, and, and serving and sacrificing and laying down their lives and doing it willingly and lovingly, right? How, how did this happen? I bet you they had an encounter with God. Because encounters with God trace back all of the fruit of their life. What happened? God spoke to them. If we look back through time and history, we would see that the Holy Spirit has been doing this for a long, long time, longer than any of us has been alive. In fact, you've traced all things all the way back to even the, the book of Genesis. Open it, chapter 1. It says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And what does it say about the Spirit of God, but that He was hovering over the face of the deep before there was any people on planet earth. There was the Spirit of God. And all throughout time and history, just speaking and ministering, the Hebrew word for uh, spirit is a word, word ruah. But when you say it, you've got to say it like a Hebrew. So you've got to, you've got to do that at the end, right? So, so go ruach. Can you do it? 
You got it, right? Don't hock anything up, right? But just ruach, all right? So, so that's it. And then, in the, and then in the New Testament, they use the word pneuma. But the words pretty much mean the same thing. And it's wind, it's breath, it's spirit. And maybe those are some of the expressions of the Spirit, but I promise you this, that He is not limited to just being wind or breath or Spirit. We got to figure out a little bit about who the Spirit is. You know, when you, when you speak to a person that's been around church for a little while, maybe they're a bit educated, they, they've understood some things, maybe even gone to Bible college, and we say, hey, what do you know about God, right? Well, we, we are monotheists. So we believe in one God in three parts, Father, Son, and Spirit. I've heard people try to explain this before and say who the Spirit of God is. They're like, oh, He's like a pizza, but with three equal slices, right? I think that's a pretty average explanation of God, actually. But, but anyway, I've heard people say that. I've heard people say, oh, it's like water. No, you know, it's like a liquid and it's a solid uh, and, and it can be steam, you know. And, and so that's, that's not bad, actually. But everything fails eventually, right? Because nothing that we really have can quite tell us everything about God. But we do, we know some things. And so some people that have been studying who, the, who God is and even the understanding more about the Trinity, they'd say something kind of like, well, God is omniscient. He's all knowing and He's omnipresent because, you know, He's everywhere and He's omnipotent. So what is that? But He's all powerful. You go, those are remarkably impressive words. Yes, they are. You know, and, and so, you know, it's funny though, because as, as good as those words are to describe God, I promise you, you will not find it in your Bible. In fact, there's a lot that we say about the Trinity that we don't necessarily find in the Bible. If we look at the, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, right? It says some things, but, but for those that have been educated and studied for a while, they would say something kind of like, and I don't know if you've heard these words before, but they might say something kind of like, He is co-equal in divinity and, and co-equal in majesty. And, 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 and so we use these phrases, right? Well, those things didn't come actually out of the Bible necessarily. There are scriptures about the Spirit of God and the Trinity of God in the Bible, but we get that language from something that we call the creeds, right? And, and in, in particular, the Athanasian Creed, which talks a lot about the Trinity of God. And the early church fathers wrote the, the creeds, and they are held in high regard. So, so we would say that the, the, the scriptures are infallible, uh, you know, that, that is written by uh, God in, in many ways. And so we say the scriptures are up here, but it doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of, whether you, you might be Reformed, you might consider yourself Pentecostal, you might be Baptist, right? Everybody respects the creeds because they were written by the early church fathers. Now, here's one thing really interesting. How did the early church fathers write so much when we don't read those words in the Bible? What, how did, how did, how, where did they get all this stuff from? Well, the way that theology is formed, and this is the way the early church fathers did it, is that they read everything in the Scriptures and they went in the direction the Scripture implies. So they see enough in here to write more, and we wouldn't say that the creeds are scriptural, they're not the same authority as scriptures, but they went in the direction that scripture implies. And so we know a lot about the Trinity by the early church fathers who wrote a lot in the direction that scripture implies. And I think the Trinity is proof that we never made it up. Because if we had made this stuff up, we would have made up something that we could explain better than this. We would have made up something, right, that we at least understood. Instead of, and, this is what we, and this is what people do all the time. We always try to bring God down to our level, right? So it's like, God, come down to this part. We can explain this, so this must be what you are. When I tell you that He is far and above, and, and, and we're just 
oftentimes, you know what we're doing? We're catching up with what God says. We're in the pursuit of who, how God self-discloses Himself, okay? So this is what we understand to be true about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible uses a number of different things to explain who the Spirit of God is. So there are these things in the Bible called symbols, symbols of the Holy Spirit. We see them littered throughout the Scriptures, right? One of the symbols of the Holy Spirit uh, is a dove. And I think that some people think that He is literally a dove. You know, you, you, like, you see like doves on the back of cars and, and, and things, and I don't know if that's meant to represent the Spirit or not, because He's not... He's not a bird, everybody, okay? So he's not an actual bird, all right? So he's not, it's not, he's not a dove, right? It was, it was like a dove. I don't even think he came with, he didn't come with feathers, right? It's just the way that the Spirit of God descended, they have figurative language and they say, well, it's kind of like, kind of like a, like, a, like a dove would land, actually, you know? And, and, and so that's how they describe the Spirit of God. But there's more words than this. So we would say that the Spirit of God is the seal of our covenant through Christ with God, all right? So if you don't understand what that is, don't worry, it's not really that important, right? I mean, it is, but you don't have to understand it right now, all right? So we would say that He is the seal of our covenant. He's rain, He's like wind. And a lot of these things that I'm talking about, they are in the New Testament. But if you look back into the Old Testament, how would they describe the manifest presence of God? The word manifest means to make something plain and obvious. So when anything is manifested, it's so obvious that everyone goes, oh yeah, that's exactly what it is because it's pretty obvious now, right? So what is pretty obvious about God? How would they describe Him? What was the manifest presence of God? They would say, He's like fire. He's like fire. Spirit of God is like fire. And if you go back and you read some of the scriptures, there are multiple encounters that God has with people. In fact, when God made a covenant with Abraham to make him the father of many nations, there's this scripture, and you can go back and read in Genesis chapter 15, where you know Abraham uh, lays out the covenant, the pieces of the covenant, and then it says that a smelting pot, right? And now you know what that is, right? Of course you don't, because you've never ever used that word in your life. What is a smelting pot? Great question, right? Well, we actually lack the language. We don't have the language to describe exactly what this Hebrew word is. So it's sort of like smoke and fire and lightning and all of these things wrapped together. So it says a smelting pot and flaming torch passes through the pieces. This is the language, the best language that they have to describe the very presence of God. If you keep reading on and you, you, you go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, what happens? Well, you see Moses, he has an encounter with, with a burning bush and the, the bush is burning and yet it's not consumed, right? You, you understand this? You, you, you've seen this? And he says, Moses, take off your sandals for the ground on which you're standing is holy. I think, the, I think that that bush is pretty cool, actually. I think we should be like that bush. We should be on fire, not burnt out, but burning up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so what's the Spirit of God like? Oh, he, he, He's like fire. And then later on, you know, uh, uh, Moses takes the uh, children of Israel out of Egypt and they end up going, they, they take a bit of a journey and they end up at a place called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, the presence of God descends on the mountain. Mountains are significant in the Old Testament. They often represented meeting places with God. 
And it says that what happened is this, this mountain was covered in smoke and fire and lightning. In fact, the same word to describe the smelting pot is used in this exact same place. It's the same word. They just translate it a little bit differently. If you read in your English Bible, it'll, it'll might say different things, but it's actually the same original word. And so what is it? It's like fire. Now, now when the Spirit of God descended on Mount Sinai, it was a very holy, amazingly reverent moment. You know, you, one thing that you've got to understand about God is that He's, he, he's holy, right? And, and, and so they would treat Him with such a regard that nobody wanted to go close to the mountain, mainly because the presence of God came with a warning. They said, hey, if any man or beast should touch this mountain, he shall be put to death. So they're like, cool, like, no worries. We'll just we'll, Let me back up just a little bit and make sure that we, there's some distance between you and I. In fact, everyone was terrified when, when the presence of God descended on Mount Sinai. They were terrified. It was can you imagine? Can you for just a moment, right? And, and and I might be talking to people that have been in church so long that you've you've heard this story before, but just go with me for a minute and consider the significance of the Spirit of God descending and covering a mountain in fire and smoke, and the God that created everything and literally breathes out stars, it sits outside of time, falls on a mountain. This is unbelievable stuff we're talking about here. Like this is amazing. Right, So let's not just get accustomed to it. So they, they had this literal encounter with the very presence of God. And they were afraid. They were terrified. They said, we don't even want to speak to him. Moses, you speak to him. We're not even going to talk to him. We don't know. You represent us, right? You go up there. I'm not going up there, right? No one wants to go up there, right? Because of the significance. Now, one of the minor prophets, uh, Joel, he wrote something in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Now, this is a really significant verse, and I don't want to tell you. Uh, let me just read it to you. So this is written 800 years before Jesus came, right? So we're way back into the Old Testament now. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit. This is what God is saying to His people. It shall come to pass. There will come a day in the future where I will pour out my Spirit. So when we see the word pour out my spirit, what is that significant of? Well, I'll tell you, the way that the original readers would have understood this is that there would be an open heaven. See, in the Old Testament, God would often speak specifically to unique individuals. He had a Levitical priesthood that he would work through. Not everyone got to have that personal touch or that personal encounter with God. It didn't happen for everyone, but how many of us know that when you go stand out in the, under the rain, when the heavens open, everyone gets wet? You get that? Yeah. Do you know what water was to people living in a desert climate? It was life. It was something, something, something's going to grow. Something's going to start. Something's going to, uh, you know, nourish God's people. So he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. All right. So your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. If you are, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're a son and the do or a daughter of the King Most High. He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Any old men here? No, that was just a joke. Don't put your hand up. You don't have to do that, right? So, so your old men shall dream dreams. Dreams are the language of the Spirit of God. That's how God speaks. He says, and your young men shall see visions. Any young men and women here today that would have some visions for what God might want to do with their life? Come on. This is what God does. He says, even, and I love this last part, even on your male and female servants, three words, they all mean something significant. Male 
or female. Doesn't matter what gender you are, right? God will pour out His Spirit on male and female. Servants were lower class people, right? So let's just rewind for a little bit. It doesn't matter what your portfolio is today. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter how much your bank account has. It doesn't matter the car that you drive or the house that you live in or whether you're male or whether you're female. God was going to do something significant and different in this place. And He says, you know what? He says, I'm not going to just use some people because the tribe of Israel was divided into 12 tribes. One tribe, the Levites, would minister to the people on behalf of God. And so the people would support them. But He says, no, no, I'm doing something different. Forget one tribe. I'm going for a royal priesthood. I, I, I want every single person that calls me father and has a relationship with God through Jesus, that's a son or the daughter of the king, I, they're all a part of a royal priesthood because they're my sons and daughters. I think this is remarkable stuff. He says, in these days, I'll pour out my spirit. So far, these guys have an understanding of the Spirit of God being so holy that you have to stay far back. Let's get some distance, right? And then he says, okay, but what I'm going to do is there will come a time in the future where I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now, if your understanding of a holy God is that we've got to stay well back, right? That is probably the most exciting slash terrifying thing you've ever heard in your life. Are you kidding me? Like, are you actually, is this a joke? What will happen when God pours out His Spirit? We couldn't even go anywhere near the mountain. Were you going to pour it out on everyone? Is this the apocalypse? Is this the end of the world? What happens when the Holy God begins to pour out His Spirit on all flesh? This is shocking and exciting and terrifying. Here's something that's really interesting. I find it honestly astonishing. In, in the New Testament, you read what the Apostle Paul says. And the Apostle Paul says that people will become a temple for the Holy Spirit. A temple for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, see, this is one of those moments where you've been in church too long. You're like, yeah, we've heard that. We know about that. Yeah, we know about that. Wait, rewind, right? Mount Sinai, Spirit of God, presence so magnificent and amazing, we have to stay well back. The God who breathes out stars, sits outside of time, created everything you've ever seen, everyone you've ever known, right? Completely holy and we have to keep Him at arm's length, right? And now, are you kidding me? He's going to make his people, His temple? How? Is that, am I the only one that finds this pretty amazing, right? How is it we're going to fit this? in the New Testament, into this. We can't even go close to the mountain, but you're saying that the Spirit of God is going to come to me? That that, that is going to go into this? How do we get from this to that? How do we get from a holy God that you can't go close to? How do we get from this place to that place there? Honestly, if pouring out the Spirit of God and people could actually have the presence of God in them, right? To be filled with the Spirit of God, right? That sounds like a remarkable advantage. I think that the Spirit of God is the greatest advantage we have to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth, right? So, so He is the advantage that we need in, in everything. How are we going to get this into that? Well, and, and why didn't He do it sooner? Well, there was a problem. I told you this was written 800 years before Jesus was even born. This is way back in the Old Testament. He says, I will do it one day. Pretty cool. Why don't you do it now? You're not ready for that. 
No one was ready for that. You know why? Because we had a major problem. A major problem. And the problem that we had was sin. And the thing about sin, if you don't know, right? Sin really means, in many ways, to miss the mark in terms of design and intention. So sin, right, means that God created you for perfection, but you've fallen short of perfection. Don't feel too bad about it. We all have. Every single person in this room, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can live up to that standard or expectation. So there are many of us, right, that that find ourselves in that position where we have a, a sin problem, a sin issue. And the thing about God is that Him and sin don't mix. They will not go together. This is the reason why if you're not forgiven for your sins, you can't get into heaven. Because God will not let that imperfection taint what is perfect that's all around him, right? So we have this problem of sin, right? And then we've got to figure out a way to deal with it. Now, I submit to you that there are two ways that God could deal with this, right? Either number one, God becomes completely comfortable with our sin and moves his moral boundaries further out and says, it's cool, I'm okay with it now. I thought we'd give it a shot, but you're all failing, so I guess we'll just be cool with it, right? But that would be a major issue. Because if God is, looking, is willing to overlook sin, then he's not just and he's not righteous. How could you ever expect anything good from him? Someone does something against you and you say, God, this isn't right. He's like, yeah, I know, but get over it, you know. I, I don't really care. Like I, I, let, I let go of this stuff a long time ago. You should learn to do it too. You know, like now either God, right? See, I, I am being funny. So either God is going to be okay with the issue of sin or he's going to get his people to be perfect, right? Now, if I was God, which I think it's important to say that I'm not, but if I was God, I would think it's actually easier to just move to moral boundaries and be okay with sin. But God seems that he wants to do it the other way. He says, no, 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 I'll get you to be perfect. Now, how does he do that? Well, that's what really everything is about. It's what church is about. It's what the New Testament is about. And we call it the gospel. And it's the greatest message you've ever heard in your whole life. Here it is in a nutshell. You've made mistakes. You've got sin in your life. We're all part of that club. But... Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Now, if you believe that what he did on the cross means that he'll forgive you, if he's already paid the penalty for your sins, then there's nothing left to pay. And the obvious question would be, that's ridiculous. He died before I even existed, right? I understand that. So what happens is, is that when we have faith in God, our faith connects what he did 2,000 years ago to our present lives today. And I believe that what he did 2,000 years ago, his death on the cross was so significant that what he did back then still covers me for today. So even though it's in my past, it forgives my past, present, and even all of my future sins. And the magnitude of his death was so amazing that it will forgive all people for all time. And to be honest, right, that when Jesus gave up his life, it was overkill. It was more than what we needed. It's like striking a match and dropping it into the ocean. That is how significant Jesus is and his work on the cross. So because of the gospel, that shifted everything, right? Now, I've got a home gym. I've been working on my temple, okay? Trying to get this thing to where I want it to be. I've got a lot of work cut out for me, right? But, but I, I'm working on this thing. And you know, <laughs> as hard as I work... 
I don't know if I'll ever get there, but as hard as I work, I just, I realize that I, 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 I'm probably not going to ever end up in this place of perfection. It's the same thing spiritually. You can work on yourself all you want. What you really need is Jesus to come and do it for you. So what do we say? When someone comes and does something for you, when they give you a victory over a battle that you cannot win, we would say this in church. We would say, you have become saved by grace through faith in Christ, right? Saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's good, Zachary, but you keep listening, man. You're going to get this one day, right? He mixed up faith and grace, but it's, it's, it all sounds good. It's a great, grace will cover that. That's right. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. See, what you need to know is that Jesus did all the preparation work to make you holy. Now, you couldn't take that holy God that everyone in the Old Testament had to be far back from. You couldn't take that and put it in this unless this was as holy as that. Because they don't mix. So what happens? All of our righteousness and all of our holiness, gosh, I'm going to get a little bit theological right now, right? Is actually imputed to us. It is given to us by Him. Everything that's great about who we are as you know, Christian spiritual beings is from Him. He's actually done it all. He's done all the preparation work for you to become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's all done by grace. So here's the thing I submit to you. That can everyone be forgiven of their sin? Yeah? Okay, so can everyone become a temple? So that would mean by implication that God could fill every single person who's given their life to Jesus. Okay, well, we have a name for that and we call that Spirit-filled. I will admit it's not that creative. What do you you want to call it when somebody's filled with the Spirit? Let's call it Spirit-filled. That's great. That'll be obvious. Yes, it's called Spirit-filled. And I submit to you that being Spirit-filled is God's plan for every single believer. Listen to what Jesus said. John 16, 7 to 8, He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, He's talking to His disciples. Can you imagine them hearing that for the first time? They're like, what are you talking about? You, you, you think we're going to be better off after you go? Jesus, you've actually done everything. We're we're tagging along. We're like literally watching you do the miracles and do all of the stuff, right? And you reckon it's going to be better if you go? If you go, we're in trouble. Jesus, supremely confident, says, yeah, I'm going to go, but something else is going to happen. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper, which is a name of the Holy Spirit, in the Greek paraclete, it's where we get our word parallel from, it actually means one that comes alongside, our advocate. How many of you realize that what God wants to do in your life is not come like this, but come alongside you like this? Yeah? He's your advocate. He's here to help you. That's why they called him the helper. A lot of obvious, real obvious stuff going on in church tonight, right? He's called the helper. Come on. He wants to, he wants to help people. He says that the helper will not come to you. He says, but if I go, I'll send him to you. It was the death of Jesus that triggered the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you understand why now? He had to die first in order for that to come second. Make sense? 
So there are a lot of things that we use to describe the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, we say Jesus just used the word helper, but there are a lot of other words. So one of the words that we would see for him being, or one of the other names of the Holy Spirit would be advocate. Okay, he's, he's on your side. He wants to help you. Uh, comforter. How many of you have felt the comfort of the Spirit? He doesn't exist to make you feel guilty. He, he, he's here to rescue you from sin, encourage and empower you to stop that, right? But He actually comes alongside to comfort you. He's a counselor. The Holy Ghost, Pentecost, Spirit, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Grace, God, Grace, the Lord and the Teacher. All of these names. And those names are indicative of what He wants to do in the lives of people. Now, evidently, God or Jesus spoke to His people before He or after He died, and He said He gave us something that we call the Great Commission. I don't know if you know what it is, but this is it in a nutshell, right? To go out into all the world and to preach the good news to all creation. Now, if you've already given your life to Jesus, just raise your hand so I know who you are. Just if you've given your life to Jesus, yes, you have a relationship with God. Don't put it down. But I didn't say put it down. This is like Simon says, put your hand up, right? So, all right, I just want you to know. I just want you to know, right? That if you have your hand in the air right now, you have been called to the Great Commission. It's not the great suggestion. The great, you know, maybe, right? You are called to the Great Commission. He's asking everybody to get involved in this thing. Now, evidently, in order to do that thing, we were going to need some help, right? So this is what he says. He says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, he says, while staying with them, so Jesus staying with the disciples, right? He ordered his disciples not to depart from Jerusalem. He literally says in the Greek, the phrase that's written there, stop departing from Jerusalem. Stop going. Where are you going? Disciples, I told you to wait here. Why do you keep coming and going? He says, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, John the Baptist, he talked about this exact moment. You know, when he baptized Jesus and he says, one day someone's coming, Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And here it is. It's about to happen for all the history. People have been like, this, is the, this will be the craziest thing ever. We're going to fit that into this. Holy God in people. Spirit of God filling people, right? Yeah. You, 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 you'd be hanging around for that, right? Not the disciples. Not the disciples, right? Uh, apparently, they are coming and going from Jerusalem. And Jesus says, what are you doing? Could you, look, would you mind just sticking around? Because it's about to get hectic, right? But you need to stick around. Have you ever left a party? And then you wake up the next morning and people are like, you should have stayed. It got so much. It got crazy after you left. And you're like, why don't I leave? I should have just stuck around. Why don't I just wait just a little bit longer, right? Well, this is what Jesus is saying, right? This party's about to get crazy, so stop leaving and just start waiting. I think that God's people, right, we still have problems with praying and waiting. We, we don't like God's timing. And, you know, full self-disclosure, I often think God needs an alarm clock, mine. Get on my time frame, God please, you know, and yet he's got, he seems to have his own way that he does things. I think people still struggle with this, right? And I think that one of the reasons why we, we're impatient, you know what, honestly, we have, we have a bit of a hunger issue. We have a, we have a hunger issue. So, the 90s was very cool for a number of reasons, right? Trust me, 
But one of the things that was really cool about the 90s is that they had these restaurants that were amazing, right? And they all had one thing in common. They were all you could eat, right? right. You, had, oh, you had Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut, all you can eat. And then a lot of these have gone since then because we realized the salad is disgusting. People breathe on it and all the rest of it. Wouldn't have lasted through COVID, that's for sure. So, so here's the thing, right? But it was pizza, all you can eat. Pizza, all you can eat. Someone told me that you could do it with Denny's. How many of you have ever even heard of Denny's? As expected. So Denny's, you could do it too, right? But then they had this other place, right? And I don't know if you've heard about this one, right? It was called Smorgies. Oh, yeah. All right, Smorgies, right? So, so Smorgies, they, I, I don't think that their food was good, but they gave you a lot of it, right? So it wasn't high quality, but they said, we'll give you enough till, you, till you're filled, right? And, and so anyway, I had this friend of mine, Tim, who uh, just really lived down the road from Smorgies, so he would go there regularly, right? And Smorgies didn't have a lot going for them, but one thing that they had that was pretty awesome was the donuts, right? And they would spit these things out. These donuts are just coming out. Cinnamon donuts, fresh. Is there anything better than a fresh cinnamon donut, right? So, so anyway, these, these, these donuts are coming out. My friend Tim, he was there and, and he would always like eat these cinnamon donuts. He always leave a little bit of room for them, right? But he was pretty full and he had a couple of donuts and he was like, he just, <laughs> he just didn't want the night to be over, I guess, right? So Tim got uh, serviettes, he found serviettes, and he started taking the donuts and putting them into the serviettes. And Tim would wear jackets with lots of pockets. And I, I, I promise you this, that if, that if he had a, if he had a pocket, it had a donut, right? And so he was wrapping up these donuts and stuffing his pockets so he could last him a, a couple of days. The managers saw what was going on with all of this, right? And one of them came up to him and they said, excuse me, and he said, yes. I said, I see what you're doing, and he said, what? And she says to him, and I quote, this is smorgies, all you can eat, not all you can take, right? <laughs> Problem is Tim was just, he just wanted, he just wanted it so bad. He was, he was so hungry. You know what I think? We, we got to be like Tim. We need to be like Tim, right? Bill, and, and the saddest part about this is I, I've actually worked a little bit on this message, but I feel like that's the takeaway line. Be like Tim. Be like Tim. You won't remember anything from this message except VB and donuts, right? Let's hope that that doesn't happen. That was the ad, by the way, in the start, if you have been born after the 80s, all right? So, so you know, we got to be like Tim because you know what I think we have, guys? I think we have a little bit of a hunger problem. I think we do. And I'm not speaking to everyone out there in, in Christian land. I'm not speaking to every church out there. I, honestly, I'm talking to Bright Church. We have a little bit of a hunger issue. You know, I thought about whether I should say this or not. And then I just decided, what kind of pastor would you really want? The kind of, kind of pastor that would just tell you, hey, it's all good, it's all good, it's fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, you can live down here and I'll never call you on it. just want to make you feel good. The Bible talks about that. It's called tickling people's ears. I think that sounds a little weird. I promise you, I will not touch you. Okay? There we know. This is about to go off track right now. Stay on track right now. I wouldn't want to go to a church where the pastor wasn't willing to tell me the truth. You know, we're, like, we're watching the Olympics right now. Imagine if you had some of these coaches that tell them, yeah, you're elite. And then they get there and they realize they have no skills, right? 
surely the athlete says, why didn't you tell me the truth? And they're like, oh, I felt a bit awkward, so I just decided to risk it. Well, I care too much about you to risk it. I tell you what, I care too much about the next breakthrough that God wants to give you by just allowing you to live down here when I really believe that God's called you to live up here. Because you know what's interesting to me is that whenever, if I, could, if I put up a post on Facebook and say, hey, who needs prayer? You know what? The requests come in. Bang, 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 bang. We look at our forms that are filled in on our website. If you need prayer, you can go to our website, fill in a little form, just prayer requests. We'll see what it is. It gets dispersed to a prayer team that pray for people, right? You know, they come in every week. Bang, 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 bang. And I just wish that our prayer meetings were just as full as our prayer requests. I do. You know, there have been so many times in this church where we have shifted to try to accommodate people in this church. So we'll run a prayer meeting and, and, you know, over time and history, right, we have run prayer meetings at different times. We actually sent out surveys to people so that we could align our prayer meetings with the time that would suit most people. We found out that Monday nights was the best night for everyone, right? By a clear mile. So we said, you know what we'll do? We're going to run a prayer meeting on Monday night. Everyone said, if you could do it Monday night, that'd be great. But I didn't come. We have a hunger issue, Bright Church. We, 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 we've shifted our prayer meetings to try to just align with people's schedules and their plans, right? We've done them, you know, Friday morning, Wednesday morning, Monday night. And it doesn't seem to matter where we put it. It just seems to be poorly attended. And yet our requests are high, but the attendance is low. And I'm just like, how long before you want to get involved in your own miracle? And what about this, right? Like, honestly, even if you say, yeah, but I can pray at home. Yeah, I get it. But you're only praying over your request, right? What about the person next to you? That you never stand next to at a prayer meeting. I don't know about you, but I want to see breakthrough in your life so bad. And don't you want to see breakthrough in the life of the person that's sitting next to you right now? And we were in meetings where you could actually come together and pray for stuff you'll never even know about unless you attend it. But you've got to be in it to win it and you just won't be there if you're not hungry enough. Church, we've got a hunger issue. And it's like, I feel like time at times, honestly, we're just too easily satisfied. And it's just, maybe it's too much effort. We have fasting mornings, right? You know, we run these fasting mornings. They, the prayer meeting starts at 6 a.m. You know why we do it at 6 a.m.? So everyone can come. Because I figure that no matter where you work, if you start by nine or even eight, you could leave from here at 7 a.m. and still get there. We do them 6 a.m. till 7 a.m. And I still see that we don't have people coming to it. And you know what? I have a sneaking suspicion why. You know what it is? It's too early. Man, really? (laughs) Too early. For a couple of weeks a year, when we run a fasting meeting, it's just too early to get your breakthrough. If you, if you, if you planned, oh, Pastor Ben, if you could just make my breakthrough start at eight, I'd be there. But six, come on, I can't do that. I can't do that. Some, you know what? Some of you, you, you work in, you know, tradies or whatever. And you're like, well, my situation's unique. Because I have to be on site by such and such. Okay, I get it. I get it. 
it's, it's inconvenient. But we're not saying to do this every single week. We're saying that there are special moments that we set aside intentionally inconvenience ourselves for the purpose of something greater. And you'll do it if, you, if you're hungry enough for it, but only if you're hungry enough for it. Now, if you've got a Christian boss, what would they say? I don't even know. Like, I feel like when we say fasting, so many people are like, well, that's not me. I mean, I could just never do that. What if you just told your boss, would it be all right if I came in just a little bit late because my church is running prayer meetings in the morning that I would love to attend. I wonder what they'd say to you. I'm just guessing right now, but I reckon the majority would say, okay, you can do that this week. We've got to be so careful that we don't discount ourselves and suddenly count ourselves out. We've got to stop looking for ways to fit God in and start looking for ways to let God take over, you know? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Church, we've got to get hungry. Because if you're already satisfied, there's nothing to fill. There's nothing to fill. You're already satisfied. You can't see more, so you don't ask for more, because you don't want more, because you've got everything you want. Maybe it's just because everything in your life seems perfect right now, but the world isn't perfect. And God is looking to the church to help to change it. Guys, we're supposed to be the agents of change on planet Earth. He's looking for His people to see His kingdom come. Like it or not, God has elected to work first in you and then through you. But it only works if we get involved with it. And I don't know about you, but I want to get to the end of my life and find out what we could have had, how we'd be just a little bit more hungry. Don't be too satisfied. Make room. God has more for people that make room. Did you notice something interesting? That when the Holy Spirit fell, and I'm about to read this to you, but when the Holy Spirit fell, they were all together in one place having a prayer meeting. Jeez, it's almost as if where brothers dwell in unity, God commands a blessing. Wow. It almost sounds like it's out of the Bible because it is. Acts 2, 1 to 4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place having a prayer meeting. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty and rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The picture you're supposed to have would be as if a tornado hit your house. And it was so real and tangible. The Spirit of God fell in this moment. In verse 3 it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And from that point on, what I just described to you became the normative experience for first century believers. That He would pour out His Spirit and that they would be filled with His Spirit and they would begin to speak in tongues. And and this is the moment. This is the Spirit time right now in this scripture that we we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 where God took everything that was that the fire the the the, the lightning the smelting pot the flaming torch and he said I've saved you through the cross I've made you holy and now I can begin to pour out everything that was on that mountaintop can begin to pour into you don't you find this amazing like I just wonder about this sometimes. I wonder if we had have seen what that was if today we wouldn't take this so lightly. 
Like, I wonder if we were at Mount Sinai and we were like, it's too, it's too amazing and too holy and too significant, right? I wonder if we would realize, you mean you fit that in this? That we just start to walk around with a little bit more confidence. Why? Because the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That's amazing. It's amazing. What we need is to be hungry enough to see it happen. Listen to me. We do not have a God that's far or distant. He wants to be closer than hands and feet, closer than you can possibly imagine. He doesn't want to keep anyone at arm's length anymore. He wants people to give their lives to Jesus so He can fill them with His Spirit. He wants to be so close to you that He's actually in you. What we need is to be hungry enough. What we need is to be thirsty enough. You know what I think? I think too many people are going to miss out on what God has for them because the threshold of their satisfaction is so low, they forget that they could have more. You know, just so easily satisfied. As long as I get good marks at at uni and I can complete my course I, oh gosh it feels so good right now as I if I can get that job where we're trying to buy a house right now if I could just get that house if everything could just work out you know if I could just get this amount of savings in my bank account gosh everything just seems to be going so good right now you know what we were never meant to be satisfied with the things of this world and when we're happy with everything that's down here because we think that it's enough, we forget that we're meant to be the people of God. We were meant to stop looking down here and start looking up here and see things that not just that are, but things that could be and start to change things on earth by seeing what God wants to do in heaven and bring it down. We're supposed to be changing the world. We should at least turn up to our own prayer meetings. And start to get a vision for something bigger, a vision for something greater. Sometimes that bigger and greater thing is just what God wants to do in you. And you've got to lift your eyes heavenward to begin to see it. And I tell you right now, I promise you, I swear before God, you can have what I'm talking about if you're hungry enough, if you're thirsty enough, if you're willing to seek Him with all of your heart, not just live down here, but start to look up here and realise what this world could look like if we laid down our lives for the cause that drove Christ to the cross. My God wants to work in you and through you. And from the days of Pentecost until now, He has been filling His believers with the presence of His Spirit. And maybe that hasn't been your experience, but I promise you that it can be. It can be. So if you want a fresh touch from God, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want the Spirit of God to to fill you from within, you've already given your life to Jesus, right? Maybe some of you are like, I'm already filled with the Spirit, but tonight you just know that you need a fresh encounter. Do you know that there were times after Peter was filled with the Spirit of God and he was already baptized in the Holy Spirit, already spoke in tongues, but there were times later on in the Scripture where it says that the Spirit of God filled him with boldness. It filled him again. In other words, he had a fresh touch, a fresh outpouring from God. It's not just this one-time event, but it can be an ongoing thing. So, so if tonight you say, I would love there to be a fresh outpouring in my life or I want to be filled with the Spirit of God, it's your call. I don't know where you're at spiritually speaking, right? But if this is you and you say, I really need that tonight, why don't you just raise your hands right now? Put, 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 put your hands out like this so, so as if you're about to receive something that God's going to do. And I want to pray for you tonight that God touches you. Lord, for every single person with a hand raised right now that says, God, I just need a fresh touch from you tonight. I thank you, God, for them. 
I thank you, God, that they're here. I thank you, God, that their hearts are open, their hands are open, and they say, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I pray that you would set a fire down in their soul. I pray for the Spirit of God to begin to move in a fresh way, that you'd pour out your Spirit, that the, the, the helper, the paraclete, the Lord, you'd come and you'd fill them afresh today. And we pray that they would be baptized in your spirit and things would begin to shift and change. And God, we're not asking for just something small or light, God. We want the outpouring of your spirit. We want there to be an open heaven tonight. We want you to touch people, God. And, and whether it happens right now as I'm saying these words, or even as we begin to worship in just a moment, we're okay with what you want to do. But we ask the God that tonight you come and pour out your spirit. We cannot do it on our own. We don't want to do it on our own. We need your help. We want your help. We want a fresh touch from the Spirit of God. We want you to breathe in us. We want the fresh wind of the Spirit to come. We want that wind like the tornado to come and shake this place. And we want to know that you were here. Let there be a tangible expression of your presence. Let there be a manifestation of your presence tonight. And God, we open up our hearts to you. We open up our lives to you. Come do something new in their lives today. For those that say, I'm already filled, but they just need a fresh touch tonight. Lord, come. Come encourage them. Come move again. Make them bold. Make them courageous. Do all the things that, Lord, only you can do. I commit to them, their path, their journey. Let this moment right now cause a shift in the trajectory of their life. Let there be an encounter tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.